what's up it's Korean Kuili from San Pablo Burgos in Spain and you're tuned in to the BBL show this is Gareth Murray player coach from the Glasgow Rocks you're now tuned in to the BBL show this is Andy Thompson you're now tuned in to the BBL show this is Anthony Rowe and you're now tuned in to the BBL this show. This is Mike Tuck from the Sheffield Sharks. You're now tuned in to the BBL show. Yo, 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 what's going on? It's Kofi Josephs and you're listening to the BBL show. This is Ashley Hamilton, a.k.a. AGP of the Plymouth Raiders. And you're now tuned in to the BBL show. And now your hosts, Jay Marriott and Drew Lasker. Welcome, welcome to episode seven of the BBO Show. I am Jay Marriott, and we welcome back Drew Lasker. We have fixtures, the season is alive, and we are hopping on here for a shortened version of our usual showtime to preview this weekend's actions and tip off in style with our longest-serving BBO British star, Darius Defoe, and the commentary goat, none other than Daniel Routledge. Nice to have you back, buddy. Man, it feels good to be back in this seat. Be honest, did you miss me? Man, you know I missed you. I've been pining over you for a week. I've made you feel special. I do think, you know, on a serious note, I do think we did miss your dimension. I thought Yvonne was fantastic. Anthony was great. Ashley was great. But we did miss that little bit of dream magic. So, um, you know, we, we may have to revisit something there when these conversations come back around again, which inevitably, I think, when we look at the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, that has got to be a continuous conversation. It can't just be something we kind of brush on and also the league's intent to kind of show action as we put in that statement. So, um, yeah, we need you back, buddy. We've got you back in the seat. We're ready to go. And I think before we look ahead, it's time for a little Marriott Weekly Roundup. Last weekend was a pre-season bonanza. So we saw London Lions hosted Sheffield Sharks on Friday. Bristol Flyers hosted the Worcester Wolves on Saturday night. And Cheshire Phoenix then hosted the Bristol Flyers on Sunday. Drew, did you see anything of note over the three games that gave us any insight into any of these clubs moving forward? Yeah, a couple of things stood out. First of all, a great victory by Worcester. I didn't actually get to watch that game, but um, I was stunned by that scoreline. That was a stunner. The London game was a stunner as well. And I think the biggest thing that stood out is that I think the moving parts are affecting London because it was very obvious that they lack the chemistry and um, they don't really have an identity right now. So hopefully once the season begins and they can kind of get some consistency with their roster, that'll change, obviously. And then lastly, the biggest thing that stood out to me in the Bristol game is that even though they won is that Josh Wilshire will be missed for that team. If he has to be out a long extended period of time, Bristol is going to really miss him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I pick up on London, like you said, if you if watching games, the body language didn't look great. I think if we looked at the European game, I really felt like they did have an identity. But I think that when you looked at this game, it just lacked that kind of intensity just a little bit. I know they're making loads of changes and resting guys and stuff like that. Obviously, I think... The only thing that leads me to believe that you're right and I'm right is that Kevin Ware quote, you know, obviously like coming out and kind of calling those Sheffield boys trash and, you know, he gave Nick Lewis his props, but um, it definitely sounds like there's some pressure there. So maybe those guys are are feeling that a little bit. Bristol, yeah, 100% they need Josh back. You know, I've coached him for a couple of years. 
he runs that team for you. I know Andreas sees him the same way, and he's going to be the pivotal part of making sure both Lockett and Copeland are, you know, able to get going. You know, he's going to set the tone. He's going to set the plate for those guys to feed. Worcester looked really impressive. So no imports. So still imports to add. Mount Neck was sensational. I tweeted that he looks like your local accountant, but he will give you absolute buckets. He just ran that team. Him and Jordan Williams really he set the table. Off. And, and uh, you know, the rest of the guys just followed. They all had a really great performance. The young players looked really good. So, yeah, exciting to see them. Cheshire Phoenix have a very exciting backcourt. We still haven't seen the addition of their big man yet. Obviously, Hayes has been around the league for a while. He knows what it is. But I just wonder, will they have enough? Once teams start to figure out that kind of one-two punch, will, will they be able to kind of kick on and get past that? But uh, it's an exciting time. Now that we've got the dates on the table, now that we know that the cup is just around the corner, those preseason games just mean it's that little bit more. You know, this week I was like, OK, we can read a little bit more into it. But this is a shortened version. Let's waste no time at all on bringing in our first guest. He is the longest-serving active BBL player coming into his 17th season with 13 trophies in the cabinet. Newcastle Eagle, Darius Defoe. Welcome, Darius. Thanks for joining us on this special season preview. How you doing, buddy? No, I'm fine, thanks. You know, I'm, I'm all right. Doing, doing good, you know. But first of all, though, I thought Drew, Drew would be singing me a song for coming on. The celebration! He did say something about a little jingle. Have you got anything for us, Drew? Hey, you know what? This is a serious moment, you know what I mean? I'm taking this time to praise you. You, my guy, year 17, 25. <laughs> I don't even know how many trophies you got. Too many to count. You know what I mean? I'm giving you your just due. I don't want to ruin that by putting my voice on this microphone. <laughs> We thought it was only fitting that, you know, our longest-serving British star leads us into this 2020-21 season. I would classify you as a player who has been there, seen it, got the T-shirt. But one thing you haven't seen is a worldwide pandemic. So how have you found preparing for a new season under these very unique conditions? No, it's been tough, you know. With everything's going on, it's been, it been tough just getting used to all the new rules and everything, you know. So, you know, the only thing we can do is just obey the rules and keep um, doing what we're doing and hope, hopefully we finish the season off. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And I think yeah. the most important thing is that, um, you know, you are a world-class hype man, even when the music is in the what? building. So I think that you are going to be, you, you're going to be a vital piece to that Eagles kind of vibe getting going. What do you, what do you think, Mop. Hey, D is the perfect teammate to have for an environment with no fans because he's going to sing, he's going to mock, he's going to talk noise, he's going to keep the bench engaged. <laughs> so uh, I'm glad he's on my side. But D, on a serious note, you started your career in 2004. Be honest, did you actually think that you would play this long? To be honest, no, I, I, I didn't, you know. I didn't at all, you know, but thanks to, you know, I had a lot of person, people around me, you know, like Fab, you know, Paul, you know, keep Dave, even Dave, you know, keep pushing me on, you know, but if it wasn't to them, I don't think, you know, I'll be lasting that long. With those guys, I think they just kept pushing you and kept challenging you. And from what I saw over the years is I just kept seeing that level 
always continue to grow. I think, you know, when you first came into that league, you know, you were athletic, you were big, you were strong. And then you just kept adding things year on, year out to the point where, honestly, you know, when, when I was coaching, for sure, like, you, I would describe you as, a, as an added American. You know, I said, you've got to start thinking about this guy as, as an import player, you know, and that's yeah. the only way, really, from a language perspective, that we can get through to guys and make them think, you know, that this is a serious player in the game. What for you guys has changed over the years? Like, what stands out to you about the game itself that's changed? Has it got faster? Have you got slower? <laughs> nah, I think it's gone faster, you know? <laughs> nah, it's, 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 gone, it's, it's gone fast, you know? Bringing all them different players in, in, in the league, you know, just improving the league every year, making the game go faster, but, you know, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like when me and D first came in the league, it was a bunch of OGs like Tony Winless and guys like yep. that. Mm. And now, like, the league is so much better from a youth standpoint. You see all these young guys coming from big <laughs> universities, you know, all littered across the league. So I feel like on the individual talent basis, the league is much stronger from that standpoint. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that's exciting for sure. And what were your early feelings, both of you, on – on this season for the Newcastle Eagles. I'm not, not sure if you caught it, Darius, but obviously in the predictions, Drew just went big. Uh, he went Hollywood, he got the hat out. He expects you guys to take the crown, probably all the crowns. What are your early feelings on, the, on this squad that's been put together this year? Well, I agree with Drew. We, we going all out. We trying Let's to take go. everything. My doubt. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Better not come on here talking about no second place. Oh, man, that even <laughs> crossed my mind. Always remember. If you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> <laughs> so on that on that note, what, what teams are you looking at this season as the potential threats to the championship run? You know, you've got probably the usuals you can throw in there, but there's a few teams that have come into some money also. Or are there any other teams that you're looking at and thinking they could come from nowhere? Apart from the usual, I would say what Plymouth. Yeah, Plymouth. Sorry. You like, you like so, what they're doing right now? Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, like, I like what they're doing. Well, uh, that's the only two for me right now, apart from the usual. Yeah. What is it that you like about Plymouth? Because we were really high on Plymouth. And the reason why all of us was high on the preseason predictions is because we felt like with Lawrence and with Hamilton, that that was a great already. foundation. Was on the last episode, bro. <laughs> with the, we felt like that was a great foundation, but now that we know that they're not going to go with any Americans, do you still think that they're going to be as strong? Yeah, I, I still think they'll they'll be strong. You know, I think they recruited good. You know, Hamilton, he, he's a good player, and also um, the point guard um, Lawrence. Yeah, and they got um, Will Neighbor. So oh, Will Neighbor! I forgot about Will actually. Yeah, yeah. and and yeah. they just added that Prince Ebay from the Big Six Ten boy as well. So they're adding yeah. ties. I so, like you know, I like Senence as well. He's, he, yeah. he played really well against you guys in the in the final, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So they recruited good. That's for sure. You know, but I'm surprised they they not go even the Americans though. Yeah, I don't know if that's got more to do with the pandemic and where we are at at the t- yeah. this, at this moment and. From my perspective, I think if I'm Coach James, like I'm looking at it and thinking, if we if we can get some real settled Brits, you know, if if Ashley really enjoys it, Andrew really enjoys it, Will's obviously, you know, he's he's come back a couple times now, he's been enjoying it, you know, if if, if you start bedding down a foundation and then then you add on top of that your your sort of import players, I think 
the thing that excites me is is the people that have taken over as owners. They already own a basketball club. You know, it's not a fantasy basketball thing for them. You're not going to have these guys coming up with weird and wonderful things. They're going to be talking to you about basketball. Yeah. But focusing back on yourselves, like what are you expecting from the London Lions game this weekend? Because there's the obvious. They're stacked. They're talented. Vince has put three teams in one together. But, you know, obviously last weekend it wasn't gelling. It it looked a little bit off. Is it? Is there something that you guys see that you think that you can exploit in this? It's a bit of a juggernaut, to be honest. Well, like you said, you know, they're not really gelling yet. So I think, you know, right now is the perfect time to play them. So until then, I, I'm for the game on Sunday, I just think we need to just go there and, and just play our game. Don't worry what they do. Just keep playing what, play the way we play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's important for us. We just have to focus on us because – Throughout preseason, they have so many moving parts. You don't know who's going to suit up. You don't know who's going to start. And so if we get caught up in that, it's pretty much a crapshoot. So like Dee said, just going into that game, like we're just focused on trying to be the best versions of ourselves at this point of the season and just uh, go and give it our best shot. Yeah, for sure. Have you you kind of found it frustrating this preseason? You know, because you had that great outing against the Sharks themselves, you know, you guys look good. You know, it looked like it start to preseason, arguably the best start outside of maybe Worcester that I saw um, on the weekend. You looked for their first game, looked like they've been playing with each other forever. Is Has there been some frustration creeping in? You, you, you can't wait? You feel like you're going to be knocking the rust off or do you just think you're ready to go? Um, I think we're ready to go. You know, after being out for so long with all the, 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 the pandemic going on, you know, and coming back preseason and training and training the way we train and looking sharp the way we are, you know, I, we're, just, we're just ready to play, you know. Mm. It's been waiting. It's, it's been too long. I'm tired of seeing you every day in practice. <laughs> I want to see somebody else, man. Like, we're, we're like, you know, like how a lion is in a cage. And That's how we are. No pun intended to the London Lions, but we're ready to go. Let's go. Let's get get this season off. Let's go. Just ready to play. And that that is the excitement. And, and, uh, you know, sorry to cut this, you know, short but sweet. Aris, we'll we'll have to have you back again for sure. I feel like there's so many different areas we want to explore, especially past championships I'm really keen to get into. But we felt this was fitting just to get you on here, just to tip it off. Share some vet knowledge with us. And, uh, you know, all I'll say to both of you really is is best of luck this weekend. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, Darius. Well, thanks very much, man. Thanks for having me on. You guys are doing a good job, man. Keep it up, man. I appreciate thanks, man. that, man. Salute to you, my guy. Congratulations. Year 17 is underway. Okay. Let's appreciate go. Appreciate it. All the best. Okay, so we go from an on-court star to a commentary star. He is the voice of the BBL, someone we have saved for this very moment, the man himself, Daniel Routledge. Daniel, thanks for joining us, brother. Yes, sir. to be here, loving your work. We, need, we, we saved ourselves for this very moment. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're really happy to get you on. We got the face of the BBL in the house, Mr. Dan. The um, face, yeah. I'm, I'm delighted to be here. All that means is I've been around for a long time. It just makes me old, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to start by saying that I've been modelling my sports commentary a little too closely to a certain legend. So I've been growing my hair, I've been bringing in the beard, and I've been bitten by the running bug. There so you go. Just, I was just wondering if that sounds like anyone you know. 
Well, I'm not out there doing 50 mile runs, so I'm not that crazy. <laughs> I won't be doing that too quickly again, but uh, I'll have to revisit it and try and beat my time, that's for sure. But uh, we're so grateful to have you on. Obviously, this is our season opener special, and it all starts with the cup competition. So if we have any new listeners to the show, can you surmise what this competition is all about? Well, I mean, it's interesting now that the last couple of seasons it's been put right at the front of the season. So it's that real straight into it off the bat. You've got something uh, really important to play for where you can't really afford to drop the games. I think by the time you get to the final in January, it's that first showpiece game of the season. People really enjoy it. I mean, Drew, you've you've been there. You know what that occasion's like yes. in, in Birmingham. It's a great venue. It's a great day. It's a fabulous one. And and also you can have some silverware in the in the cabinet right off the bat. You've already had a successful season before you've done anything in the league. Do you think by moving the cup competition to the beginning of the season, from a sense, does it water the competition down? Do you think as many teams take it as serious as they have in the past because it's obvious that some teams use it for an opportunity to see what their rosters are going to look like for the rest of the season. So I want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, it was definitely different last year. Number one, there was a lot of games to get rid of not very many teams in those, in those group stages. Obviously, uh, there's fewer this time around. Um, but it, it, it was noticeable that actually most of the teams at the top of the table didn't do very well in the cup in the early stages mm-hmm. uh, and did do some remodeling and some teams did use it for that. Uh, this year, I guess it's a bit different because who knows what anybody's got because of preseason and how, how COVID has affected everything. So I don't know this year, but certainly last year, I would agree with that. It, teams looked at it almost like, uh, the first five or six games in the cup was an extended preseason, working a few things out, making some changes. I mean, I thought it really actually helped teams like Glasgow and, and London right. find themselves, and that's yeah. why they ended up at the top end of the league table. Yeah, I think if I'm two teams at this present time, if I'm if I'm Plymouth and if I'm London with the kind of pressure that's on them, I think I would try and go for that early cabinet win. You know, try and put something in the trophy cabinet and try and douse down some of that pressure um, that's going to come for those two guys. But I think other than Sheffield, you know, I've watched so much of Sheffield this preseason that, you know, I almost became a fan. But I expect them to, to hit the ground running. But everybody else, I think it's just going to be, who knows, you know? Yeah, who exactly. And, and, and it's more this, more this season than any other season. And, and also you're going to have the thing of you're playing behind closed doors. And that affects some people in some ways and other people in different ways. It can be a little bit random and some guys can't do it. And we've seen it in the past when you, when you had a team like the Leeds team that struggled and there was never a big crowd. And then some of the away teams would come in. I mean, Drew and the Eagles would go in and smack them by 80, but other teams go in and struggle yeah. because they're just not used to, you know, the fact that there's no noise in the Nothing. building. And, yeah. and I've seen it, obviously, I do... European games as well and I've seen it this year most of the venues have some people in but some of them have nobody in but even the venues that have got some people in with the exception of Jalgiris you know you're talking a few hundred people in a 10,000 seater arena it's it's hard to recreate that atmosphere, and that affects players. Speaking on that I've always wanted to ask you that question how do you commentate a game without physically being there? 
Well, just you just pretend, basically. You how are you how are you doing an interview without me being? Look, it's a, it is a different scale because you have to be able to read the game in a much better way, I think, than if you were live. Because when you're there live, you can see things beyond the edge of the screen, sort of thing. So mm -hmm. you've got to be watching in the corner of your eye what's going over on the far side because you might not see the referee's signal. And there's nothing more annoying to the person at home that you go, oh, he's caught a foul, it's going to be on such and such. And actually, it was a traveling violation, and you just didn't spot the referee on the baseline properly. So it's a different skill, but you, but you get used to it. I think if we look at these three groups, you know, there is obviously a group of death thrown into the yeah, mix. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what are your early thoughts on the draw? And who stands out to you at this moment as the favorite for the competition? Well, I mean, you're, you're right, that, that group of death. I think all of those teams in that group would have looked at that and gone, man, we couldn't get a better group than this. Um, so, that, baby. <laughs> that's going to be tough. But what it does do is it gives you some great games right off the bat. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, who's the favourite? London. London's the favourite for everything, aren't they? The roster they put together, they've got twice as many players as everybody else. All these NBA guys, high-level players, blah, blah, blah. The pressure is on London all season because of the roster that they put together. Now, does what's on paper come onto court? We have to wait and see. And if it does come onto court, can anybody get near them? We look around the league and there's some good teams around there, but, you know, they don't have 16 players like the, like yeah. the Lions do. So I think, really, for everybody else in the league, normally you come into the season and we sitting here talking about Leicester and we're talking about Newcastle and, and whoever the other team that might bubble up is. But this year, because of what they've done with their roster, in a way that, I mean, even the year that Leicester played in Europe, we were yeah. saying, well, that looks like a really good team. But we weren't saying, well, they're going to romp the league. And I, I mean, I read Twitter and it's almost like, what's the point of playing? Because everybody's telling me London's going to win every game by 30. Yeah. I don't personally believe that. But that's where the pressure lies. And Vince, bring that on. Vince is really happy to be in that position. And the team will be really happy to be in, the, in that position. But as Drew, you, you'll know, it's a little bit different when you're being chased down yes, than sir. when you're doing the chasing. There's a different level of pressure. And obviously, this is a team that has that sort of aura about them. But as a unit, they haven't played together. They haven't mm. done it together. Whereas... You know, when you guys were dominating the league at Newcastle, you were the team to beat and everybody was chasing you. There was you and there was Fab and there was Charles and there was Darius. These guys who are there every year. So they earned that, if you like. Mm -hmm. And this London team is new, but has all of the pressure of a team that is the clear favorite for everything. Right. For the fans out there that's been following the preseason and obviously with London's roster, every game, the rosters look different. What are you expecting on Sunday? Who are you expecting to suit up? And what are you expecting him to look like after, a, I guess, an uneventful preseason for them? Well, that's the $64,000 question, isn't it? Is who suits up? And I, and I think it's funny because actually, you know, Vince has been coaching since forever. I think this is the hardest job he's going to have. Yeah, because, I agree. You know, if you want an easy coaching job, you go back to Robbie Pierce and the Jet Wash team, and your only decision is, Dave Gardner's going to come in for a couple of minutes here and give Piero a blow, and then he's going to give John McCord a, a two-minute break. And, and it's easy. Mm. Whereas for Vince, you know, he's got to work out which 12 guys to put on the score sheet, never mind who comes in when and where. 
And that and that's a difficult challenge that faces him. And it's one of them, we've seen it with Leicester, with Rob, when he's got that depth of how you get used to it. And I remember the Leicester team where Taylor King came in right before the beginning of the season. And everybody was saying a similar sort of thing. Oh, this is a dominant team. They're going to win and blah, blah, blah. And then they lost a couple of games and it mm. was, oh, there's only one ball. And how do you get all these people, these touches and how many minutes and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, they found it by the end of the season and they were, they lived up to the hype by the end of the year. But that becomes a challenge. And that's Vince's challenge as much as, as the players. I mean, the players yeah. will go out and do what they do in the minutes that they get. But you know, I think even in the in the Champions League game, you saw it a little bit where Josh came on for a few minutes and then you didn't see him again for the rest of the game. And then Joe came on, had a tremendous spell, having not been on before that came on, made a massive impact. Now that's what you want as a coach. You know, you give him a few minutes and he's, you know, I thought he I thought he helped turn the game, to be honest with you, Joe. Oh, it did, yeah. Uh, he, he ignited uh, something right there, didn't he? He did. But then it's then, well, how do you, you know, if he does that, then the next game now, obviously it's weeks later, but how do you up his minutes, get him more into the rotation? And then who do you take out to, to, mm. to bring that in? It, it's a tough job, but man, you'd love to have a team that talented, wouldn't you? So basically you're saying that pretty little hairstyle that Vince has, once May comes around, it might be a little bit more gray on top. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. It goes back to winning, doesn't it? Winning solves all the problems. Yep. Nobody has any issues. Nobody's, nobody worries. It's if they lose a few games. And that was the thing why I went back to that Leicester team uh, with Taylor King was early on in the season, they lost a couple of games. I think, I think London put them out in the cup and they lost. A, I think you guys might have whacked them down at, at Morningside Arena as well. And people were suddenly asking questions of this team that they, you know, anointed before the season. And, mm. and look, when they got it going, they got it going. And, and, and London could easily do that as well. But I just think it, it is a difficult job for, for Vince this year. And, and, yeah. and I, I sometimes wonder if people realise, you know, the difficulty of, you know, number one, you've got to mesh together a load of guys. And number two, you can't guarantee them the minutes. And it's everybody's mm. saying, oh, well, it's great because, you know, if you get four injuries, then you, you've still got 12 guys to roll out there, which is yeah. great. But if you don't get four injuries, there's four guys sitting there in civvies who are not very happy. Yeah. And I, I, like you said, if results go the wrong way, then those people sat in those civvies are probably the – or can possibly become a cancer for your team. So it's difficult. I worry the most, I think they probably keep Robinson healthy. Because I think that, um, you know, obviously they brought the American Brown, I think it is in, but he's not, I don't expect him to be playing he's a part in that BBL roster. Sign somewhere. Yeah. So, yeah, so, you know, I just don't think Ware or Liggins and stuff like that is, it, I think you lose something from them if they have to bring the ball up and you have to be in that situation. You know, Lockhart, I think, and Joe will just have to kind of get used to those shortened minutes and, and just try and be an impact I can't see them anything more than that but um that'd be it'd be interesting you know because I was I, I really love that at European the end game of the day, at the end of the day there's a ton of talent there I agree with you I, I, mm. I still think even with all this extra talent that they brought in I still think Justin is probably the key guy there yeah because, because of the way he plays the game he's just so smart he's such a clever player you always get the feeling he's in control of things and he's he will find his teammates when he needs to. He will score when he needs to. He's just a smart guy. And, and I think even with all the other talent that comes in, I still think 
He's yeah. really important to everything. He's, he's a London guy as well at the end of the day, exactly. isn't he? So he and Vince, when, when he came on and spoke to us, he was so confident in the fact that Justin was, you know, so bought in. So I, I think that's going to be my matchup that I'm most excited to see, obviously, with Drew's Eagles right now. You know, they've had such inconsistent pre-season. You know what that's like. You know, you could come out and be a little bit rusty. On the other end, just like Drew was alluding to with Darius a minute ago, is just like caged lions and want to get out there and just play and, and everything goes right. A la Worcester last weekend when they just hadn't had a game yet and just came in and they were running complex sets and just looked really, really good. So The Eagles have experience. You know, they've been there, done that. They know what it's all. And it doesn't really matter whether, you know, preseason's been messed up or it's been the best preseason ever. You know, roll the ball out. You've got guys, you know what they're doing. Cortez and Fletcher in the, in, in the backcourt is going to be a problem for everybody. Dynamic. You know, you, you've, got, you've got a lot to guard there, uh, particularly if the, you, know, you play that traditional Eagles up pace, get down the floor, transition, basketball. Those two are going to be tough. So, I mean, there's a lot of really interesting teams when you, you look around the league. And actually, having some of those teams that you think now are going to be amongst the best in one group gives us a chance to size it up. And I, I sort of hesitate to say that because what's written down on a piece of paper doesn't always translate out mm. onto hardwood. And there might be a team out there that we're all sleeping on, but yeah. they've recruited unbelievably well from places we don't really know. And they don't have the resume that some of the Lions guys have, but they come in and be duds in the BBL. You don't know. We've yeah. seen it before. Yeah. Let's, let, let's kind of focus on so, so Surrey Bristol. You know, so um, the reason why that popped into my head is you say, you know, you were obviously talking about a team that might be going under the radar. Obviously, what Surrey seems to be doing seems quite impressive, seems quite smart, you know, very plausible for Coach Creon. What do you see in those two guys in that matchup this weekend that you like? Well, I always like Hassan. I, I, I always like Hassan. I mean, he's, he's not the most lauded player in the league, but... Boy, he's effective, isn't he? Seventy percent finisher around the exactly. paint. Exactly. Yeah. He's like if you look at the all-time list of shooters in the BBL, he's number two behind Herman Harid. So he wow. knows how to put the ball in in the basket. And I think when you have a low-post player like that, you've got somebody who can score for you. It just gives you a bit of a an outlet if things are not going great. It mm. gives you a way. And then to be fair to him, he's developed a bit of a mid-range shot as well as 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 time has gone on. But yeah, I think, and, and Creon knows a good player. So, you know, his recruitment, I mean, real blow, Trayvon's injury. That's a real blow. Yeah, yes, that would have been nice to see him, you know, back to full health and full fitness because he's obviously had, he had that problem at Leicester and then he had the little bit at, at, at Solent last mm. year. It would have been nice to see him back. So, that, so that's a, a, a blow. But, but again, it's one of those things is you look on paper and you say, well, this guy looks okay and that guy looks okay. And, and, you watch Bristol, but what can you say when Wiltshire's not on the floor? I yeah. mean, that's a different team. Mm. Josh is one of those guys who, great passer of the ball, scores as well, you know, really controls the game from the backcourt. So if he's not there, that's a massive loss for that team. So You know, a bit like when I turned the Lions game on the other week and I saw all those players off, I'm like, 
okay, I'm going to half watch this game because this isn't their real roster. So I don't really tell anything from what they do in this game. And it's a, similar with Bristol. Wiltshire is so important to what they're going to do this year. If they're going to be successful, I think it comes through what he can bring to them. And, you know, we've not seen him play. Yeah. So basically, you've told us that the preseason means nothing, and it's well, time to get to the real game. So we exactly, can- yeah. <laughs> well, this is my thing all the time. I'm always there's always the thing is uh, people think of me as the stats guy and all numbers and blah blah blah, and I am to some point. But I'm also the eyeball guy. I've got to see you out there on the court, and it's one yeah. of those things. Is particularly when you get new players coming into the league. I sort of I've been around for so long that I, uh, people go, oh, have you seen they signed this guy and he, he went to this college and he did that and whatever. And I, and I sort of like, okay, do you remember King Rice? And everybody goes, I, have, I have no idea who King Rice is. King Rice went to UNC, played four years. He's like their fourth or fifth all-time assist guy. And when he signed for Birmingham, it was like, wow, look at this unbelievable guy. The guy lasted six, six games. Mm. Never saw him again. Nobody's ever heard of him. And then, like, three years later, they signed some dude from a Division II uh, NCAA team by the name of Tony Dorsey. Mm-hmm. And not, not a bad player. In, and, you know, <laughs> he's all right. Who he was. Yeah, he's and, okay. <laughs> you know, or, or what about that skinny kid from Houston who went to some NAIA school that you never heard of, and when he's not in Forbes magazine, he's still playing basketball 16 years later, you know? Yeah. It, who was that guy? What's on paper doesn't always equate to what's on court. So that's yeah. why I, kind of, I mean, I get excited for it, but I still want to see it myself. Yeah. The only thing I kind of think Bristol missed a trick on, and I did speak to Josh about it as well, is I think if they could have added Hassan to that particular team with obviously him and Josh had such a special connection down in Plymouth, I, I really would have liked to have seen that. Because I think that without Josh, you've seen that that forward lineup is big, it's athletic, it, it crashes the boards, but there isn't that guy where you can just get the ball down into, you know, when things aren't necessarily going right and they can, and he can go and make a little something happen. So um, it'd be interesting to see there. But you know, with Andreas, they, you know, they're going to be, even without the crowd, they're going to be tough to be at home and they will, they'll be able to grind it down in the 60s if they need. And the thing is, and I, I have this conversation with Rob all, all the time is, if you keep the other team to the 60s, it doesn't matter how bad you are offensively, you can still win the game. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. If you can't keep the other team into the 60s, then your offense needs to be really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, and we've seen with Bristol all the years they've been in here, they love a low scoring game. They're able mm-hmm. to do that and they're able yeah. to play that way. So, Daniel, so get your thinking cap on. We want to hear your hypothesis. Who in January will you yourself and the great Anthony Rowe be commentating in for the BBL Cup final? The educated guess would be London. You'd be stupid not to say London. The challenge for the other teams in that group is, do they then come out and then not draw London again? I don't know. I could see two teams from that group making it all the way through, depending on the draw. I could see the, the Plymouth City Royals you know, with all the talent that they have down there. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, you talked about it. There's a bit of pressure on them down there. But, boy, that looks like a good team, doesn't it? You know. Yeah, you'd rather have it. You'd rather <laughs> have it than not. Exactly. It's better to have the pressure to win than to be expected to finish last, isn't it? You know. Yeah, for sure. No pressure to finish last. But who wants to finish last sort of thing? 
but again, I, I still don't quite, there are still some question marks about some teams that until we see them out on court. And this is the other interesting thing about the cup is because you have groups and last year with it being the whole North South thing, we spent all those games and everybody was going, the North is way better than the South. The North yeah. is way better than the South. And then when they started playing each other, it wasn't. Mm. And it, it was that sort of like, okay, so what we're going to get here is, again, you're going to get, people are going to go, oh, you know, uh, all them teams in group, is it group two? I can't remember the number. Group C. Group, C. group yeah. C. They're way better than, than, than everybody else, but only because they're playing each other. And then, when they start playing the other teams, we'll get an idea of where the other teams are in relation to each other. So I, I think that's the other slight interesting dynamic of the cup is because you get quite a lot of games, but between the same teams, it's hard to say, well, is this team better than that team who've, who've not played each other and haven't played anybody? You know, normally if you start with the league, Newcastle beats Worcester and Worcester beats, I don't know, Surrey, then you say, uh, Newcastle is better than Surrey, but yeah. now they don't play each other until until the league games start, whenever that is. Uh, hopefully December. I think it's another dynamic. So I would have to pick London because yeah. Because so you're penciling in London, and then idiot. it's a question mark. Then yeah. So London and Newcastle, you called it here, right live on the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> Great. It could be anything. I mean, I'm interested in the the other two groups as well. Just the fact that they're going to get a chance to go a li little bit deeper than maybe if they were thrown in the fire right away. Plymouth, obviously, you know, if they can find their feet and they can get some rhythm going, like you said, it, especially adding Prince eBay this this week as well. Mm. Was having some real size alongside the star dynamic of, of Ashley and Andrew Lawrence is, is going to be is going to I be think, quite interesting. You know, I think all the groups are interesting because of the way that they've that they've lined up, and and, and obviously we co we concentrate on the on the group with the, with the big names, if you like, in terms of the teams of the last few years. Mm -hmm. But I'm I'm actually quite interested to see Manchester, Cheshire, and Glasgow. I thought I thought Gareth was really spoke very well on on your uh, show a couple of weeks ago about the challenges that they face and obviously him personally trying to juggle both of those things ben thomas does a great job in in recruiting a team always has done totally agree find some real diamonds in the rough so it's again it's one of those that you look at it on paper and you think oh, I'm, I'm interested to see that team and and obviously danny's you know recruited some good players in his time up there at Manchester. And, you know, in some ways, there needs to be a, a little of alignment of everything for those teams to come through. But it worked for Cheshire um, two years ago, was it, in yeah. the Cup final? So you never quite know. And that's the thing. If it, you know, that year they won the, the Cup Cheshire, they did some weird things. They, I mean, they, that, remember, they got beat at home in the semi final by. 13 or 14 by by London and oh, went London. down on the away leg won the away leg back and got to the final and yeah. you know Getty's plays his brain out and they all were brilliant in the final yeah so, I think we do like we're missing one big piece as well and that and that is the dreaded COVID you know I think yeah. that is going to play a part this season in you know if there's some rhythm loss there as well if, if teams have yeah. to sort of self-isolate you know that that's still a uh, well, my 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 warning to your my warning to your uh, uh, viewers and listeners is: don't expect the fixtures to be played in the order that you see them now, and and when the same when Agreed. the league, when the Agreed. league games come out. Because obviously, I've been doing uh, a lot of European games, 
number of games have been cancelled, postponed. We're seeing all sorts of things in, in, in different countries. So France just now basically locked down, but they're going to mm. play their, their top two divisions behind closed doors. Germany, the same. You know, games are getting moved. Teams are playing with eight players because four of them are self-isolating and all sorts of things. And I guess that is the great unknown of this season. That is the thing that we talk about who's going to be good and who's going to be bad and whatever. How did the chips fall in all of this? So London might be a great team, but they might have a a spell where all their games get cancelled because one team or them or whatever gets hit by the virus. And then suddenly they're playing an NBA schedule in the last four weeks of the season. And, you know, they just run out of legs. Derail them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's going to be who who can kind of bounce back the quickest, who can accept that as as a part of their program. So hopefully a lot of those kind of coaches and owners and stuff like that are just prepping their teams that mentally they're going to have to add that into their, their psyche, you know? Some of it will be a mental thing. Some of it will definitely, as well as the physical, it will be a mental thing. I suppose the one upside that the league does have from playing behind closed doors, and it is only a small upside, is you can now play games whenever you want. You're not beholden to... So Cheshire doesn't have to play at 5.30 on a Sunday. Newcastle doesn't have to play at 7.30 on a Friday. Mm. You know, they can play at a time that works for the game. So we might see a lot more midweek games, for example, than we've ever seen before. And we don't see midweek games because teams lose money playing in midweeks because yeah. let people come out. Yeah. You know, the reason Newcastle play at 7.30 on a Friday is because that's when the Geordies come out. The reason yeah. Tessier play at 5.30 on a Sunday is because that's when the good people of Ellesmere Port come out. But mm. now that nobody's coming out, you can play at any time. Yeah. And, and actually that might help players physically because you might not have to play Friday, Saturday, Friday, Sunday you know, every week, you might be able to go Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday, and actually just have an extra couple of days. That's a great point. And for the league as a whole, it might help the product if we're, there's more games regularly throughout the week, if someone can watch a game on a Tuesday night, on a Thursday night. So, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. It, it'd definitely be interested. But like you say, man, we're just ready to go. Yeah, I'm just I want to get back at it. I mean, I'm fortunate that doing the European stuff has already started, but I just want to get back to the to BBL. I mean, doing that preseason game, Leicester Sheffield the other week, that was the first time in seven months yeah. I'd been in a gym watching a basketball game. And if there has been a seven month spell in my lifetime that I hadn't been to a basketball game, I was too small to remember it. You know, yeah. it, it just it doesn't happen. <laughs> Yeah, Ant and yourself were very, very excited. That was a good commentary. I really Well, we went all the way through half time. We never do that. We just kept <laughs> going all the way 15 minutes at half time. <laughs> you, you, you had enough to get you through. But, hey, listen, it's obviously, this is a condensed special. I think we could go all night, to be fair, and it's a, it's a shame that we can't. But we just needed to include you. We felt it had to be, the, you know, as, as a face of the BBL, just kind of tipping us off and, and getting us started. So thank you for joining us on the show. Absolutely. Um, we hope to see you a lot more during the season. So we'd love for you to come back on. And, um, you know, we haven't shown you a prowess on the stats yet. So we'd like yeah. to get testing <laughs> you there. But listen, before you go, 
Yeah. Halloween is upon us. Okay. It so it was house, only the house is covered in skulls and spiders and all stuff downstairs. Yeah, we 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 just came back from Woodlands yesterday, which you know we had we had it all. We've got the pumpkins going. So I think it's you know it's only right that we play a short game in homage of this rather scary holiday. So listeners, we need your votes because I want to know who's a winner using the hashtag the BBO show. The question for all three of us is what is our favorite Halloween themed movie and the accompanying snack with which to enjoy the movie. So candy in your terms, Drew, sweets in our terms, Daniel. Okay. Guest always goes first. So if you can give us your movie to begin with. So full disclosure, Jay texted me this question last (laughs) night and I went, I don't really watch movies. And then I was thinking, I really don't watch horror movies either what am i gonna pick and then 30 seconds later it came into my head and i thought i know the best halloween movie of them all i was watching it a couple of weeks ago it was on the tv again and i said this is the best of its genre this is an amazing movie and maybe it said something about me and the last 14 years of my life having children in the house but my favorite halloween movie of them all is scooby-doo and the goblin king (laughs) <laughs> I was not expecting Honestly, that. You both Brilliant. got kids. You yeah. both got kids. You need to watch Scooby Doo and the Goblin. Jay Leno is Jack O' Lantern. Scooby Doo and, and and Shaggy go into the into the <laughs> underworld. Is it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> and, 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 and what's the snack? What's the snack of choice in the Routledge household? Well, you know, the problem is now my kids are old enough to find the sweets. My wife hides them, so I can never find any of them. Uh, I'm, I'm not a massive sweet tooth person, but the one thing that I, I would always go for is, is wine gums or jelly babies. So I'd probably say, I'd probably say wine gums would be my... Wine gums. So Scooby-Doo and wine gums. You had it here first. That's got to win, folks. A lot of chewing with those wine gums. You got to yeah. chew it 13,000 times before you can swallow it. <laughs> he did give us a good breakdown of Scooby-Doo, though, so that could get him over the line. Drew... Your movie and your snack, please. I'm going to keep it simple, guys. I like a little bit of scariness, but I like a little bit of humor as well. So I'm going to go with Scary Movie 1 because I want to laugh throughout the movie while I'm eating my nice Reese's Pieces cup. And the Reese's has to be from the UK because the US version of Reese's is terrible. So Reese's is controversial. Very controversial. I'm not, I'm not sure what the, the percentage we have of American listeners, but they just switched off. So uh, <laughs> thanks to Drew for decimating Reese's Pieces. Um, I'll, I'll round the chat then. So it's pretty simple. I thought when Daniel was talking about it being um, you know, a children's movie, obviously three young kids, best movie of all time. It's got to be Hocus Pocus. Mm. So... You know, I want everybody to understand just how great that movie is. It still ages very, very well. So our kids, you know, still want to watch it with me. So that's got to be a great sign. And I am all about sour. So uh, mine's got to be Sour Patch Kids all day long. I just, I love it. I want to be caught right in the back of the jaw whilst I'm watching. Um, I'd, take them, I'd take them over the Reese's Pieces. Yeah, yeah I, I, well, he's, he's gone very controversial with, with, with the whole UK thing. I'm, I'm not sure how that's going to go. Like, I like British chocolate. But, uh, but those, those are our three votes. <laughs> we, we will uh, we'll get everybody involved. We, we want to know who a winner is. That's the thing, listeners. You've got to get involved. You've got to tell us who the winners of, of these competitions because 
Anybody we, uh, who doesn't think I'm the winner hasn't watched Scooby Doo and the Goblin King. I'm so, sorry. are you, are you setting honest, homework now? Is the goat setting homework? Or something. Go, go look it out. It's brilliant. <laughs> that, you heard it here first. The face of the BBL, the goat, is setting homework on the show. So, that is great. Guys, that was spectacular. Daniel, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure. Um, tell us your winner or your own pitch using the hashtag, the BBO show. Drew, good luck this weekend. I'll leave it to you to finish us out. Hey, thank you, guys. Uh, make sure that you guys get out there and you support those streams. Make sure you get out there Saturday night. Tune in to Surrey. They got a nice little setup now, a pregame show. So go support that. And then Sunday, get your popcorn ready because you got London Lions and Newcastle Eagles going at it. So we got your weekend filled with British basketball. Let's go. Let's go. See ya. Thanks for listening to the BBL Show. The BBL Show is a 21 media original podcast produced by Corey Mallory with your host, Jay Marriott and Drew Lasker. Keep up to date with the show by following the BBL on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, where you can find details on future episodes, events, and fan interaction. Until next time.